Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you again for joining me once again. And I'm so excited, as always, uh, to be able to do this because I get to sit down with amazing people. And uh, today is no different. We have Andrew Young joining us today. Thanks for being here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Todd. You betcha. Um, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Veracity Networks, uh, and Drew Peterson. Thank you so much for uh, believing in me and, and supporting this amazing cause. It's about helping others who are out there struggling. And Andrew's story, we're gonna, uh, he goes by Drew. We're gonna, uh, Drew's story is going to touch you in a way that uh, maybe you weren't expecting today. But I'm so excited to have him on. A little background on Drew. Um He's native of the East Coast, growing up in Connecticut, which I'm excited to hear a lot uh, more about. He studied at BYU, where he helped in teaching and developing curriculum for various student development courses. Um, he's been sharing his story with audiences in Salt Lake. Uh, you've been on, you know, you featured on LDS Living's YouTube series and magazine. You wrote a book, which I've got in my hand here, The Meaning of Your Mission, and it was uh it, debut, it debuted as a number one uh, Amazon new release. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited to know more about this. And, you know, Andrew came uh, came highly recommended to me by a really close friend of, uh, a mutual friend of ours. And I'm just excited to have him on. He, he currently works at uh, as a publicity manager at Franklin Covey, which is an amazing organization. Okay. They do great things all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm excited to hear about that. So, Drew, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I mean, like I said, this is an honor for me, um, especially to be associated with so many guests before that have had life-changing stories and inspired thousands of people, and um, your story as well, which has helped so many people. And I just believe that the power of vulnerability, especially nowadays, is so refreshing and so inspiring, and I'm looking forward to sharing my story and hopefully helping somebody out today. Yeah, well, we're excited to have you on. Why don't you tell us a little bit about growing up in Connecticut? Yeah, so I uh, was born in Utah, and oh, then okay. at the age of three, my dad got a new job actually working for Franklin Covey um, in New York, and okay. so we moved out to Connecticut, and that's where I spent you know, the bulk of my childhood. Uh, it was awesome experience, loved it. Uh, it's home to me. Um, definitely want to be back there one day, back at the East Coast. Uh, yeah, but, uh, I have family in Boston and, you know, a lot of friends still out there. But when I was 12, we actually moved back to Utah. My dad had a career change, moved back to Utah. And that's kind of where my story began in a sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, love Connecticut, love the people, love my friends, but moving back to Utah at 12 is kind of where everything started. Yeah. Was that a difficult time? Because I know, you know, you're 12 years old, you probably have friends established and you feel comfortable and all mm-hmm. of a sudden we're moving. Yeah. Right? So I actually grew <laughs> up with a lot of separation anxiety, Really? Okay. Um, which, you know, for anyone that doesn't really know what that is, it can manifest in a lot of different ways. But for me, it was homesickness, basically a lot of fear and panic associated right. with leaving my mom. Mm. So when I was away from my mom, whether it was, you know, school or scout camp or, you know, church activities. Right. Um, or even sometimes just hanging out with friends. I had a lot of fear built up. Um, you know, whether my mom was safe, whether, you know, she was okay. And, you know, it ebbed and flowed throughout my childhood. It would come for, you know, six months to a year, then it would dissipate and then it come back later. And it was, it was kind of weird in the intervals in which it came and went, but moving back to Utah, um, 
you know, I was trying to make new friends. I was trying to, you know, go to a school, which I was, you know, unfamiliar with and all these different things. And as luck would have it, you know, my separation anxiety returned. Mm. And that created a lot of challenges for me living in a new community, trying to make new friends, trying to go to a new school. Right. Uh, And it actually hindered me to the point where my parents decided to homeschool me seventh through ninth grade. Um, And, you know, as a social, um, happy, fun kid who loves, you know, to make new friends and play sports and do all these different things, it was a huge challenge for me, not only because I wanted to be me, be normal, but I felt like I was in a position where I didn't have the confidence. I didn't have the self-esteem to go out and do the things that I'd always done. And so that separation anxiety element mixed with, you know, being a new kid in a new area, um, you know, having my own quirks, having my own personality, it actually led to quite a bit of bullying. Oh, really? So yeah, I, I was bullied pretty severely from ages 12 to 15. Um, by a lot of kids in the neighborhood, by a lot of kids in, you know, my church setting, by a lot of kids, uh, who thought I was, you know, a baby, thought I was, um, embarrassing to be around, thought Mm -hmm. I, you know, I wasn't tough enough, wasn't strong enough. And so I was beat up a lot. I was called a lot of different names. I was, um, you know, treated very unfairly, very unkindly. Yeah. And it actually led to the point where I didn't want to go out into the neighborhood. I didn't want to go to scouts. I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to go to church. Right. And uh, it took an emotional blow to me in a, in a way that where the only way that I felt that I could fill that emotional void of loneliness and of pain was to turn to a lot of negative habits which, you know, a lot of kids in middle school tend to do because, you know, they're left yeah. out or right. they want to fit in or they want to feel loved in some way. And so they turn to negative habits, which temporarily, you know, numb the pain, but which leave them with an even bigger gap inside. And I had that same experience. I would turn to these things that, you know, would give me a temporary boost and then would make me just feel the lowest of lows. And uh, luckily there's, you know, a happy ending to that story, um, which is, you know, at the age of 15, my parents actually moved to a different area. So I got to make new friends and go back to school and experience a lot of happy moments. So did the bullying stop at that point? It did. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I had reached a point personally where, you know, I had gained more confidence in myself and just moving away from those kids and, and, um, that area helped me to blossom in a better way. It took time, obviously. Um, right. It probably wasn't until junior slash senior year where I really came out of my shell, really started making new friends. But the friends that I made in those years have been, you know, my friends to this day. You know, we still talk. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. And uh, so that's that's how it was growing up in Utah for me versus Connecticut. It was a really tough experience. Uh, but I share it because when I was 15 years old, once we had moved to this new area, I remember to this day, it was, I just come back from a day at high school. I think I was a sophomore and I walked upstairs to the bathroom and I stood in front of the mirror 
And I looked at myself and I said, I will never, ever try to treat someone unkindly because I don't want anyone to feel the way I felt. So you had this moment, like you literally were in front of a mirror and you said this to yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just looked at myself and I, I made a pledge, kind of a life mantra where mm -hmm. I basically just told myself right there and then, I don't want anyone to feel the way I felt. Yeah. I don't want anyone to experience the emotions that I felt because that's not what we're here on this earth to do, to, to be unfair, to be unkind. We're here to be kind and to love and support other yeah. people. And obviously making that type of goal in high school is, can come with its challenges because yeah. a lot of people, you know, yeah. try to exert power over others and one up each other. And, um, you want to look cool and stuff like that. But for me, it was very important to have that sense within myself of, you know, I'm going to be the person that tries to sit with someone else who's lonely or talk to someone who's left out or include someone who wouldn't normally be included. And of course there were moments where, you know, I wasn't the kindest person, but having that ideal, having that goal in front of yeah. me led me to a lot of amazing experiences that I wouldn't have had otherwise because I was bullied because I experienced, you know, the lowest of lows in that way. Right. Uh, and so I'm grateful for those days. Sure. Um, even though they, you know, were the, some of the hardest moments of my childhood and created, you know, a sense of trauma within me, they taught me lessons that I probably couldn't have learned any other way. You know, I love that because it reminds me of two, to me, very powerful and truthful principles that adversity is your wake-up call to your greatness. Mm -hmm. I say this all the time. Yeah. And, and it was like you're going through a difficult time, but it woke you up to the greatness within you. Like, I am not going to do the same thing to someone else. Mm -hmm. You make that pledge. And I also believe that life happens for us. Mm. As hard as that was going through that for yourself personally, mm -hmm. it was helping you and mold you into the person you are today, right? Yeah, 100%. So can you... You know, as you think back, you know, like, you know, you were going to be the guy that's going to sit with someone who's struggling or can you think of a, you know, experience that you had with someone that you could share with us that, uh, you, you know, maybe sat or you mentored or you reached out to? Yeah, absolutely. So there was actually, um, a foreign exchange student that was from Thailand and he came to, you know, America got put in, you know, the care of a, a family here to go to school senior year. And, um, his name was Kai and he was an awesome kid. I, I can't even remember how I met him, but when I met him and kind of learned about his story, you know, he was great at English, obviously, but you knew, you know, he was, right. he was foreign and he had these, you know, different, um, kind of beliefs culturally and, mm -hmm. um, you know, he was really smart, really fun, but I could tell that he was kind of left out that because he didn't grow up with a lot of the kids because, you know, he didn't have a lot of the same tastes or interests as a lot of the kids that he was going to be left behind if someone didn't proactively reach out. And so luckily I had a car in high school. Um, a lot of people don't have that opportunity, but I had a car in high school. Right. <laughs> and so I thought to myself, you know, I want to use this opportunity to um, build a friendship with Kai. And so, you know, he lived probably five, 10 minutes away from the high school. And I would try uh, every day to, you know, have him come and 
and join us in the hallway between classes and talk to us. And, you know, I'd go and pick him up on weekends and take him to, you know, places where we'd be because obviously he didn't have a car or any way right. of getting around. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he was just somebody who I had the opportunity to kind of, like you mentioned, mentor. Um, not in a, you know, a leadership sense or something like that, but just someone that I believe needed somebody to kind of shepherd him through his tough times, you know, his loneliness. And it was great because, I mean, he got to meet a lot of guys and girls. He went to a couple dances. Um, He had me over to his house and cooked me some, you know, authentic Thai food. (laughs) And it was just a really cool experience because, you know, I didn't, I didn't set out with the goal to, to make a new friend so that people could see what I was doing or right. things like that. It was really just because I, I made that, you know, that life mantra, that goal where I didn't want anyone to feel left out. And, you know, luckily I had the opportunity to, to do that and to make a great friend and in, in him. And he ended up going back to Thailand, but now he's back in the U S he's actually studying at the university of Utah. Oh, cool. Um, so, you know, he's just an amazing person and someone that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet, um, let alone get to know the way that I did. Um, without proactively reaching out. And I think that in terms of people that are in college, people that are going to school, uh, there's a lot of people that we tend to pass by uh, that we're unaware of, you know, whether because we're so focused on, you know, doing our own thing or, you know, we're not trying to break the mold or, you know, create any uh, trauma or drama in our, you know, our friend group or things like that. Right. But I'll just invite everyone who's listening to this to try and reach out to somebody who may be feeling less than or not good enough or, you know, left out in some way or another. Right. Because you could end up being their saving grace. Um, and we all, as human beings, it's it's not a unique thing for us to want to feel connected, to want to feel loved. Right. I think it's driven down inside each of us yeah. to feel connected to somebody not a phone, not a laptop, but actually somebody else. <laughs> right. And the only way that we can do that at times is by kind of stepping out of our comfort zone and reaching out to people. And we'd be surprised how abundant the energy and the positivity will fall back into our life Yeah. by doing something like that. Well, I love that, uh, Drew. I think uh, I'll go as even as far as you can save someone's life yeah. by doing that. I mean, I would imagine when you were being bullied... I mean, not only was the move, I'm sure, difficult at 12 years old, but then you, you it's almost like we're going to move you and we're going to plop you into the school and you're going to be bullied for a while. <laughs> you're like going, great, this is fun. Yeah. But I would imagine you were very depressed and down. And, and I bet in those moments you were wishing someone would reach out to you in those moments. And I think, again, that's why hmm. you were so passionate about saying, no, I'm going to be that guy that's going to make a difference in someone else's life, you know. Right. But it could it could end up saving someone's life. Yeah. It could, 100%. You never know what people are going through. You never know, you know, if they're on their last limb, so to speak. Exactly, yeah. Wow, that's so cool. Well, yeah, kind of take us from there. So you go to high school, you know, you're you're starting to feel more confident about yourself. You you know, you're you're reaching out to people now and you're kind of, you know, taking charge of your life, so to speak. So kind of take us from there. Right, so, you know, I'm a member of the, the LDS church. Um, which carries with it the expectation that, you know, 
after high school, uh, you're going to serve a mission Mm -hmm. for the church. Um, which for anyone who doesn't quite understand what that is, basically you're, you know, assigned to a specific location somewhere in the world. And it's anticipated that you'll, for men, that you'll serve a two-year mission, basically where you go out and you teach people more about Jesus Christ and you teach Mm -hmm. people how to, you know, how to be happier, how to live better, healthier lives. Right. And this is a goal that I'd had since I was a young kid. Um, Not only is it a cultural expectation really, but you know, my dad had served a mission. My brothers had served missions. My friends were serving missions. So it was just kind of something like, Oh, you just go out and do it. Yeah. And so I went and decided that, you know, I was going to do this. And my dad came to me after high school and he said, you know what, you've had these issues with separation anxiety. Why don't you go away to a semester at college first and, you know, see if you can, you can see do how it. That goes, yeah, yeah. Live away from home and whatnot. So I did, I went out of state for a semester at school and loved it. Didn't experience any, um, uh, issues, you know, that I could mm-hmm. grown up with. And, uh, came back and I said, let's do this thing. So I received my assignment to serve in the Baltic mission, which is in Eastern Europe and it was Estonian speaking. Oh, wow. So yeah, it was, uh, it was going to be quite a a shift, a change in what I was used to. Um, (laughs) and I didn't even know where it was when I received my calling because the Baltic mission just sounds, you know, so tropical. I thought it was, you know, (laughs) somewhere warm and nice. Right. And, uh, turns out, you know, it's in the heart of Europe, <laughs> right next to Finland and Russia. So, you know, during the winter months, the sun sets at two o'clock in the afternoon. And during the summer months, it sets at 3 a.m., you know, in the morning. And so it was right. very different, but yeah. beautiful people, beautiful language, beautiful culture. So I was excited to to go and, you know, do this thing that I was asked to do and fulfill this expectation that was placed upon me. And uh, so I, you know, I went and the first few weeks of anyone's mission, you're uh, put in this missionary training center is what we call it. And so I was going to be in the missionary training center for nine weeks, basically to learn the language, learn how to teach people. Yeah. Um, you know, you have companions that you're with 24 seven. So I was going to be with some different people. Yeah. And uh, it turned out that this was going to be a very different mission than what I had anticipated. And I think that happens in life sometimes. You know, we have these expectations. We want to yeah. make people proud. We want to fulfill this goal that we have. But there's a lot of unseen and unanticipated uh, curveballs that can happen to us. Right. And I experienced that. Uh, when I was in the missionary training center, I started to experience general anxiety disorder for the first time in my life. And it was something that I was very unfamiliar with. And basically how it manifested itself in me was I started to gain um, an unusual amount of weight. I couldn't sleep at night. Hmm. I was having a lot of panic where, you know, I was nervous all the time. I was jittery all the time. I couldn't focus when, you know, I was supposed to be learning the language or doing these different things. And basically it was just, you know, emotional override in my brain. And, uh, I started to notice this. I was going to be there for nine weeks. I started to notice this about week two. And so I went and ended up seeing a therapist there at the missionary training center. And she said, Oh, you're homesick. You know, you'll be fine. You'll get over it. Yeah. And a couple more weeks went by and, and things started to progressively get worse. And I went to go see this therapist and she said to me, 
you know, I finally understand what's going on here. She said, you're not homesick. You're on the Titanic and you're going down fast. And that was like a huge wake up call to me because for anyone who's ever experienced some sort of mental or emotional illness, um, to kind of hear those, those words of, you know, you're not just, this isn't just a little issue, you know, this is potentially a really big issue. Uh, it can really be, you know, something that wakes you up, something that, you know, penetrates you to the point where you're like, Oh gosh, like what's going to happen to me. And so I went to see the head doctor that was there and was put on medication for the first time in my life, some antidepressants. Mm -hmm. And because of the shortness of my stay before I was going to go to the country of Estonia, they tried to put me on some fast acting antidepressants. Right. So typically, um, you know, probably a lot of your listeners may know this, but any sort of antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication that you're on takes, you know, anywhere between three to six weeks to start right. seeing sure. any type of improvement. Yeah. Uh, and they had me on three medications in five weeks, wow. which, you know, yeah, was an incredible, uh, <laughs> not in a good way. Uh, <laughs> Up and down yeah, and everywhere emotionally. Was, yeah. Yeah my emotional skeleton, which was already (laughs) fractured, um, you know, took a huge beating during those weeks. Yeah. And like I mentioned, for someone who'd never experienced anything like this, just kind of be put into the fire of, you know, this didn't work. So we're going to try this real quick. Oh wait, no, this didn't work. So we're going to try this real quick. Uh, it really took huge psychological toll on me and long story short, they didn't see the improvement they wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And so they came to me one day and they said, you know, what? we're not seeing what we want to see. We've evaluated your psychiatric progress. We think that it would be best for you to return home where you can get the necessary medical and therapeutic treatment that you need. And then, you know, see if you can come back out. And for anyone who doesn't quite understand what coming home early from a full-time mission in the LDS church means. Just imagine that you have this ginormous expectation that you've placed on yourself and that has been placed on you throughout your life by, you know, family, friends, community members, church leaders, and you break that expectation. Yeah. Uh, You know, regardless of religion, regardless of geography, everyone listening to this today has had a goal that they've wanted to achieve or a difference that they've wanted to make. Right. um, Or an expectation that was placed upon them and themselves. And for one reason or another, they couldn't fulfill it. They couldn't master it. And I just want them to think about, you know, how did they feel when that happened? How did they feel when they broke that expectation, that promise? Because for me, it was, it started, it was the launching pad for not only my greatest positivity down the road, much further down the road, right? but in a more short-term experience, it led to the greatest challenge and the greatest Mm -hmm. sorrow and the greatest despair that I've ever experienced in my life. Yeah. And so they sent me home. And I had to face my parents, had to face my dad in particular, who uh, was my role model and who expected a lot of me. Didn't want to let him down kind of feeling. Yep, exactly. Um, 
but I did. I let a lot of people down. I felt in my own mind. I felt like I disappointed everyone who had ever, you know, believed in me and helped me along my path. And it was, it led, it led to the greatest challenge that I ever faced. And so as I returned home, the ensuing 18 months, this happened when I was 19 years old. And so the mm-hmm. ensuing 18 months of my life were filled with a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of moments of despair, discouragement, right? Um, no friends, no family who understood what I was going through. I was completely alone. And it was in those darkest moments where I actually reached the point where I considered taking my own life. Mm. Because once you're in that emotional pit of despair, of psychological torment, there comes a moment where you can't see any other out, where you want to leave the pain. You want to leave the the turmoil that you're experiencing. And so I remember it was, you know, a night probably in the summertime I had been experiencing all these different emotions that I never had before because I was seeing a new therapist and I was on different medications. And this particular medication that I was on was having an adverse, you know, side effect where it made me very suicidal. Mm -hmm. So one night I was just in my bedroom and I thought to myself, okay, this is it. Like, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm out of here. And I thought to myself, okay, well, I'll call my friend real quick. This is a friend that I'd made at college, you know, about six months earlier. And he picked up, you know, bless his heart to this day. Uh, and he said, what's going on? I said, well, I don't want to be here anymore. He said, oh, where do you want to go? And I said, I, I want to go see my grandpa. My grandpa had passed away a few years earlier. Okay. And, uh, he said, well, you know, basically to summarize it, he talked me off the edge. Mm -hmm. He said, well, you you don't want to do that. You have a lot of good that you need to do here. You have a lot of people that you can help, which I didn't believe, you know, at the moment when you're feeling that way, you don't, you don't believe you can do anything. Any of that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but regardless, he saved my life that day where, I didn't end up following through with what I wanted to do. And as I went through the following months, I experienced a lot of emotional and psychological pain. Real quick, uh, this is a tough question. Yeah. What would have happened, do you think, if he wouldn't have picked up the phone? I think I would have... You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean... I was considering just grabbing a knife from downstairs and, you know, yeah. slitting my wrists or doing something like that. Yeah. Uh, or taking a drive up the canyon and, you know, doing mm-hmm. no, who knows what. Yeah. But I definitely wouldn't have been where I am today. Sure. Um, sure. I think I was just at that point of just wanting to give up. Yeah. Well, great, grateful that he answered and it was yeah. there and, uh, he was there for you like you've been there for other people, mm. right? Which was really yeah. neat to kind of, you know, piecing your story together here a little yeah. bit. That's pretty amazing. Well, and it taught me a valuable lesson about suicide awareness that I, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, you can't understand 
I mean, you yourself understand because of your experiences, yeah, but for sure. I mean, if you hear you, you, we hear all the time about people that are suicidal or people that, you know, want to end their life. And there's a lot of stigma around it, um, surrounding, Oh, they're just weak or oh, they, you know, they just want to give up or, you know, they're not mm-hmm. strong enough to be here. Yeah. But it wasn't until I actually went through it that I understood like, no, there is actually a psychological mental block in their psyche, in their brain Mm -hmm. that is keeping them from experiencing any type of hope, any type of positivity to where it's not the fact that they just want to give up and leave or whatever. It's that they can't see any other way out where no other person understands them. They think they're judged. They think they're misunderstood. Right. So the only way that they can overcome that is by leaving, you know? Yeah. And so obviously a lot of your listenership are going through really tough moments right now. I'm sure some are feeling suicidal just because of the statistics in general. Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, you're not alone. There's a lot of people out there who have been where you are, who have experienced exactly what you're experiencing and who have decided, you know, I'm going to call this friend. I'm going to talk to this person. I'm going to reach out. And it takes a lot of courage, a mm-hmm. lot of vulnerability. And it takes a sense of, you know, I don't want to be here anymore, but I know that there's a plan for me. Right. And I don't think that doing what I want to do was part of that plan. And so for anyone who's feeling that way, reach out to somebody. I know you may not want to. Um, but I believe that everyone on this earth has a mission, has a purpose to fulfill. And I don't just say that because, you know, it's kitschy or whatever. Right. I say that because I didn't think I did when I was going through these emotional experiences that, you know, had me in a panic attack on my bedroom floor at night, just sobbing and reeling in pain. Yeah. I didn't think that I had a mission in life. I thought that I was a disappointment to everybody who knew me. And I thought that I had failed in every possible way. But it took a long time to come out of that. But now that I, I know that I have a mission in life, it's the reason why, you know, I wrote the book that you mentioned. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to, you know, the title of your book is The Meaning of Your Mission. And uh, I would imagine, you know, what you went through led to you writing this correct yeah it's 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 kind of a a two-edged sword in terms of its meaning Mm -hmm. uh the book title that is because i wrote it based on my experiences going through this full-time mission experience for the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints but i wrote it because that was the launching pad for me to discover what my life mission was okay and it took you know like i mentioned it took a lot of pain it took a lot of suffering and despair and discouragement, depression and anxiety and, you know, suicidal thoughts. It took a lot of that for me to realize and come to a place where I understood what my mission in life was. And like I said, it was about that 18 month time period of, you know, the lowest of lows and the deepest, darkest pit for me to understand and get to a good place, you know, by getting on the right medication, by, you know, going to you know, 54 consecutive weeks of therapy where I finally 
came to a place within myself where I didn't need anyone else's approval of my life to feel like I was good enough. Hmm. And my subtitle of the book is lessons and principles to know you are enough because there's so many people out there, especially in, you know, 2020 where a lot of crazy stuff has happened right. a lot of, yeah. you know, unanticipated challenges and sadnesses and everything have come up. And there's a lot of people who don't feel like they're good enough. They don't feel like they measure up. They don't feel like there's a plan for them, a purpose, a destiny, a mission for them. And so in writing this book, I wanted everyone to understand that, you know, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of the challenges that you face, regardless of, you know, whether it's mental illness, whether it's addiction, whether it's same sex attraction, whether it's discouragement or, you know, just a lack of anything in your life would that may be, you know, cultural taboo or misunderstood by family, friends, community, church right. leaders, work colleagues, that you can make it, you can be successful. You can experience joy, happiness, yeah. peace, prosperity. And because I was able to go through those difficult moments and emerge out of those moments, I want people to understand that they can do it too. I love that. And, you know, my mission in life is to help other people discover and live their missions. And so regardless of what those missions will be, everyone's missions are different. Right. And I think nowadays we have a lot of, you know, tendencies to compare ourselves to other people and to believe that, you know, we're not good enough unless we take this route that, you know, our best friends did or our parents did. Um, but really everyone's so unique everyone has a special purpose and it's up to them to discover it for themselves through, you know, for me, God helped me discover my mission. Um, right. It was, he was the only person in my life that understood what I was going through and could give me that clarity for others. It may be, you know, somebody else, but one day you'll understand that, you know, oh, that's why I went through what I went through. Yeah. And you got to persevere. You got to make it through those really difficult times. But I'm 100% confident that for those that keep going one more day, one more hour, you know, keep persevering, keep pressing through, that they're going to discover it and it's going to be awesome. And they'll look back and they'll say, okay, that's why I didn't give up. Wow. Well, love that. Very well said, Drew. You know, so it's interesting you know, when you made that declaration to yourself, so to speak, when you said, I'm going to just be kind to people, I'm never going to try to, you know, hurt someone or anything, you know, now here you are, you've gone through a lot in your life, you wrote this book, um, you know, you've, you go around and speak and share your story. And so now you're on a much, maybe a much larger scale where you get to help a lot more people. Talk about that experience and just being able to reach out and share your story. How, how has that been received and how has that affected you? It's been an amazing experience. Um, and believe it or not, you know, less than six months ago, I didn't really want to share all of my story. Mm. I thought that I would be, you know, judged or looked at differently by talking about suicide or by talking about, you know, the not so great aspects of mental illness. Uh, and I thought that I would be kind of seen as a pariah. So, so to speak right. where, you know, <laughs> Oh, you know, he's just, you know, saying this stuff because he wants attention or he's just, you know, too much information. You know, we don't need to hear about that stuff. But something that I realized is, and as I mentioned at the, you know, 
the beginning of this podcast is the power of vulnerability, especially nowadays, is so refreshing to people. Yeah. And for people that tell their story, I think people relate to personal experiences. Right. And from people who, regardless of age, regardless of location, regardless of orientation, for people that tell their story truthfully and with a sense of, I did it, so you can do it too. Mm -hmm. People relate to that so well. Yeah. And so I started telling my story more openly and publicly. Um, I've been doing it for a few years now, but I really started doing it about six months ago. Okay. And it kind of all just happened to come full circle, you know, when the coronavirus was starting to get crazy and, you know, (laughs) a lot of people were on social media. Yeah. And so the timing was, you know, perfect, so to speak, where as I started telling my story, as I started sharing about the challenges that I had experienced and was able to overcome through a lot of different, you know, resources of help, people just started soaking it up. Uh, And not because, you know, my story is anything unique. It's not because a lot of people experience what I've experienced. Right. But I think the way that I told it or the way that I represented it, um, you know, I'm a huge believer in, you know, I love to inspire, I love to motivate, I love to help people in any way possible. So my goal in, in sharing my story was, to, you know, maybe I can just help one person. And it's turned out, you know, that a lot of people have been receptive to it. Um, I was actually able to give kind of a a speech devotional um, virtually last night where, you know, I told my story and a lot of people were able to listen in and, and someone said, you know, I've been taught my whole life that I've never been good enough by family and friends. And you gave me permission to feel like I'm good enough now. Wow. And it th- awesome. it's those experiences where, like I said before, like you finally understand like, oh, what I went through was worth it. There was a purpose behind it. There was a purpose in the pain. And I honestly believe that we don't go through our struggles just for us. Usually it's because there's going to be somebody down the road who needs our story, who needs our experience, who needs to know of our pain so they can know that they can make it themselves. Right. And that's your experience. You know, your experience was, was created into this incredible video and that has helped millions of people understand that, you know, when they're in their lowest of lows, they can make it out of that. Yeah. And they can create a life that is beyond recognition of what they thought was ever possible. Yeah. And so it's been an incredible honor and I'm humbled to, to have experienced what I've experienced the last few months in terms of sharing my story with people and, and receiving the, the recognition and and everything that I've received. But, you know, I can, I can say that if I can just help people progress, help people understand that they are good enough, that's, that's my purpose. And so that's, that's why I share my story. That's why I do what I do because I, I want people to understand that, you know, they're going to make it through their challenges because I was able to make it through mine. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, be me or you are me or anything like that (laughs) because everyone's different. Everyone has their unique purpose and mission. 
but you can fulfill it and discover it and live it. And I'm just grateful for the people that I've been able to do that because of the vulnerability and the things that I've been able to share. Well, I love that. You know, you talked about vulnerability. I think it was Brene Brown that said the, the, the level of vulnerability we're willing to express will be equal to the happiness we'll experience. Hmm. And again, you, you mentioned that when we do that, we become, we feel connected. Right. So I think when you share your story and you're being vulnerable to not just one person, but to, to multiple people in speaking events or firesides and things that you do, you're being vulnerable and people appreciate that because it feels authentic. Right. Right. It's like, man, I can connect with Drew because man, look what he's gone through, man. I, I'm glad to hear someone who's been through something that I can do it and I can follow his footsteps. Yeah. You know? And I think in a, in the world where we live in today, where it's so filtered, you know, we have so many people, right. so many outlets, especially on social media, where you know, people portray the beautiful, the yeah. exciting, right. the exuberant, you know, uh, and as awesome as that is to see, it's almost coming to a point where I think we're starting to notice it for what it is. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Sure. Um, where we're not sick of it in a sense, but we're, we're recognizing it as, okay, where's the reality? Where's the authenticity? And so for people that, you know, I'm not saying confess your sins on social media. I'm not saying, you know, say things that, you know, are extremely graphic or whatever, um, unless you feel the need to, but to tell your story in a way that's realistic, but also hopeful mm. where you're not yeah. just saying, you know, woe is me. Look at all these awful things that I've been through. Right. Life is awful. But, you know, look at these experiences that I've had that have taught me these lessons. Yeah. And people will just come in droves to your material, to your content, to your story, because they'll look at it and say, oh, this person did it. I can do it too. Yeah. Or, you know, this person's brave enough to share it in front of thousands of people. They helped me so much. Right. And this is, you know, this is what, you know, your podcast has done. You've had people come on and be very vulnerable, very yeah. courageous and sharing parts of themselves that, you know, maybe just a few weeks, months, years earlier, they thought were embarrassing or yeah. that were going to be detrimental to their, you know, success in life or things like that. But they decided to share it because they want other people going through it as well to know that they can do it. Yeah. And, you know, all the power to them. And I'm so grateful that, you know, as hard as this year has been for a lot of different people, it's also the type of year where, you know, the filters are starting to fade away. The fakeness is starting to fade away yeah. and people are really starting to come together and experiencing a unity. I think unlike, you know, we've had in years past because we've, you know, the extremity that we've experienced has led to a lot of opportunity. Yeah. And like you mentioned, you know, we don't experience our greatness through all the happy high moments. It's when we've reached our lowest of lows. Yeah that we finally realize, okay, this is what needs to change. This is who I can help. And this is what we're going to do. And so I'm grateful that, you know, we've been able to get, be given this opportunity of as, as far as we can come together, you know, with social sure. distancing and all this <laughs> stuff, but yeah. we, we can be unified 
in heart and mind and soul. Yeah. And I think social media has, has opened the gateway for that. Yeah. And for anyone who, you know, doesn't know where to start in terms of telling their story, hop on social media and, you know, just try and influence one person. And then it'll lead from one person to two to three to four to five. Yeah. And it builds from there. Yeah. You'll be able to experience joy and hope and positivity. Yeah, I love that. Well, you know, if, if someone wanted to reach out to you and, and ask you a question and maybe even get a copy of your book, how would how would they do that? What would be the best way? Yeah, well, I mean, like I mentioned, I'm on social media. Um, you know, I try and, and share vulnerable, positive, uplifting content every every couple of days or so. And so you're more than welcome to reach out to me via that avenue. Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, my website is uh, drewbyoung.com. And, you know, that's where you can go and, and check out the book or, you know, send me an email with, you know, just say hello or ask any questions or anything like that. But on Instagram, if you want to, you know, follow me for my content or, or send me a direct message, it's Mr. Drew B. Young. Uh, that's my <laughs> username. I like that. And uh, yeah, I know. Right. I just tried to, I tried to sync them all together so that it'd be easy. <laughs> I know for you got to try to keep me. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'd love to, to have as many people as would wish to, you know, check out some of the content that I've published because I really try and do it for a much broader audience than just myself. Right. Yeah. Um, to try and hope and inspire. So. No, I love that. Well, um, I, you know, I, I love, you know, what you say here, lessons and principles to know you are enough. You know, it's one of the things I tout all the time and I actually have a quote up here. Yeah. You if you wouldn't mind reading that. Yeah. The most delightful surprise in life is to, is to suddenly recognize there is nothing wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And, and again, I, you know, I just couldn't agree more with what you're saying. And I'm really impressed with you, Drew, that you're willing to be vulnerable and share your story. You know, going back to your story when you're, when you're 12, I mean, I've worked with a lot of clients when they have, when their families have made a move that can be a very traumatic event. Hmm. We almost think, oh, it's just a move, no big deal. No, it's a, for kids, it can be a really traumatic event, you mm -hmm. know? And obviously, not only was it traumatic to move, but then you get thrown into this, you know, um, environment where you're being bullied and, and that kind of thing. And I can only imagine how hard that would have been in those moments. And hmm. But I want you to know how impressed I am with you that you made that pledge to yourself that I'm going to be kind to anyone and everyone that I come in contact with. And, and it's just what you're doing now. It's kind of yeah. led, kind of opened up this door to what you're doing even today. Mm, thank you. you. Know? So it's been the greatest <laughs> experience of my life to be kind. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. I mean, it seems so simple that, but that's really the answer. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at the things that are going on in this world today, if we could just love and be kind and have some compassion, that's all we got to do. That's mm -hmm. it. It's not rocket science. It's like, let's just love each other. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. You know, so anyway, well, you know, I want to thank you for being on. Um, you know, I, I didn't mention in the beginning, but you're, you're married and you have a daughter. And yeah. how old is your daughter? She's six months. Six months. Well, so, congratulations. Thanks. That's, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> very, very cool. And I'm sure that uh, that's a whole other podcast we could talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I, I, yeah, I'm so grateful that uh, you you were willing to come on my uh, podcast today, uh, Belief Cast as I call it. But uh, I, I'm, I'm grateful for people like you who are making a difference in this world and, and, and making things better for all of us. 
Thank you. It's been so great. I really appreciate the opportunity to tell my story. Hopefully it helps somebody. Yeah, it will for sure. Well, once again, folks, I told you another amazing person with a, a great story. I know this was inspiring to me and I, I know it'll be inspiring to you. Please share this with everyone you know, especially those who may be struggling trying to find their place in this world. And, and remember, there really truly is nothing wrong with you. You are enough. And I love you and Drew, thank you so much.